ladies and gentlemen, in the corner store, we have just a brilliant, a brilliant maker, uh, someone whose uh, visual work I've been uh, impressed by for uh, a while now, who is uh, on a run. I mean, even though we are, we are in these, these uh, in-shelter times, I mean, before we went inside, um, Yvette Mayorga is, is kind of on a tear in terms of the gallery, in terms of her production, uh, also features uh, her work on the cover of the brand new Breakbeat book, the Latinx uh, book, uh, but someone whose work I think is really important, changing the visual landscape for many, and I think uh, ushering a whole new voice into the gallery and uh, soon-to-be museums seen in the corner store uh, this afternoon we have Yvette Mayorga welcome hi thank you so much for having me um, it's an honor to finally have a chance to talk more about um, art and, and life and now a different situation that we're all living in yeah well no thank you I, you know we've we've wanted to have you for a while how, how are you adapting how are you and how are you adapting to uh, these these new times yeah, I mean, I've, I've been I've been fine. Um, you know, I think, you know, I can speak for myself. I think a lot of us have been through, you know, similar situations in life where there's grief in the air and, you know, you can feel it and everybody in your house can feel it. And when you walk outside, you also feel that, you know, that, that maybe you might be the only one experiencing this, but it seems to be like, a, you know, a moment that, that several others can can maybe see that you're experiencing and I feel like I'm sort of going through that again and so um you know being mindful of that and 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 reminding myself like yeah I mean this is definitely you know not an easy situation and it's it's hard for a lot of people especially undocumented people you know people who fall on you know the margins of of you know being marginalized and not having access to you know healthcare, etc. Um, but you know I'm trying to just be thankful that I'm healthy. You know that I have like a space where I can create work at home. That I have a home. That I have food. That I you know even though my family's not physically here and I can't see them, that I can still call them. And so I feel like I've. You know, I'm so used to like being busy and constantly like working and making and deadlines. And I feel like this has really kind of forced me to like go back to, you know, the things that are really like fundamentally important to being a person, you know, getting well enough rest, you know, um, taking care of your health, um, having time for self care and all that sort of stuff. So I feel like it's kind of, it's been helpful in that way, but again, it, it should not take an epidemic to slow, you know, us down or to to feel like you are worthy enough by not doing, you know, or not being productive, being productive in different ways, but, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting too, doing the whole virtual situation, you know, having conversations virtually, like seeing uh, exhibitions go up virtually. It's strange. Yeah, it's like, strange. It's been kind of amazing because I've been yeah. in some galleries with openings that have been, you know, entirely virtual. Yeah. And it's interesting, it's, but it's different, obviously. It is, yeah. And, you know, then I think, like, it's not that different because we're already viewing art in this sort of similar landscape through Instagram, you know, and often people. You know, that's like the only opportunity that they maybe have to view certain kinds of exhibitions, certain works from artists who are, you know, not in the same 
place as them or have work in different places. And so I feel like we're already kind of doing that, but it's just, it feels very disconnected, of course, from the experience of going to a show and seeing it in person and seeing community in person. It's different to see community like through a name on the screen, you know, and yeah. So I want, I want to ask about your process and, I, I, I wonder one has it is it changed in the little bit of in shelter um, or are you kind of at it in the same way and I, I'm curious about before this time too and, and I have, but but has your process changed in the last month or so it definitely has um, because I, I felt myself uh, be making less you know where I'm, I'm you know I have an idea and then I go, you know, full force trying to realize it. And now I've been slowing down and I'm staring at like a lot of drawings I've been doing, which drawing is part of my process, but I feel like now I've, you know, I've had more uh, time to to think things through, to, you know, to dream about next works, next, you know, possible installations. And I've been making here and there, but um, on a small, small scale. And usually, you know, I'm working big scale, like even behind me, um, I haven't had a chance to, you know, to go back and work on it. I've been working more on these like sort of, right. uh, you know, 12 by 12 square uh, canvases, are those square canvases? Works. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, smaller works. And that just seems um, more doable for me, I think, right now. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I do see a lot of. I think I see, you know, 50 and 50 on uh, social media, like uh, maybe half of artists that I know, like talking about being very productive and that this is the time for us to be productive and think about like future projects. And then I see other half of, you know, the creative community being like, you know, this is like, you don't have to do anything and it's fine. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm in the middle somewhere where, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's it's a good place to be where you shouldn't feel like you have to be, you know, super productive because again, this is definitely not a normal uh, time. I think it's some yeah, some space to move a little bit slower. You know, yeah. I, I certainly think a lot of this is about being a little more thoughtful about how we move and the ways that we move. And and you're right. I mean, even what you said up top is that you know the t- any time is a time to amplify inequity and you see it really ramped up now in ways that are unconscionable and grotesque as they always are but now i think you you know and and maybe it coming to light i mean the optimist in me wants to think that that as it comes to light you know maybe some of these things will be addressed the uh you know, pessimist and, you know, the, the one who, you know, I, I believe that until capitalism is, you know, brought down or is, you know, radically reconceived, then it's just going to be business as usual, usual, you know, but. Right. Um, so. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like, you know, we've personally, I think we've had a double loss, you know, with the whole Bernie, Bernie dropping out also. And it were just kind of. Were you a Bernie like, guy? Were, were you? Yeah. He, that was your guy? That was my guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my guy. So, you know, that was, and for many reasons, you know, and a lot of young, you know, people, young individuals, uh, candidates do. And I just feel like he, you know, he kind of flipped the switch on, on you know, having young people be more interested in, you know, voting and their rights and being part of that process. So 
um, but yeah, that was, I mean, it was sad. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sad day. Yeah. So it's been a compilation, I think, of, of situations. So, how, how, I want to I want to talk about your work. I, you know, your art is is visual, um, but it isn't uh, it isn't even really two D. I mean, your your work actually kind of in some instances either seems to or in some cases actually you know jumps off of the canvas or the the material you know the the surface that you're that you're making art on. You're also mixing materials in which you. Uh, are, are you know composing? Um, I want to get to how that came to be, but when did you start to make art? Yeah, um, you know, so my whole life, really, and you know, I was really influenced by my older siblings. My, you know, I have uh, three older siblings, four older siblings. Sorry, I'm the fifth one, but it's a lot to remember. Them, so that you're forgetting, yeah, yeah. two of them that. Uh, were in the house still that were closer to my age that we, you know, we grew up more a little bit closer. Uh, they were always making at home. And so that, that sort of introduced me to art and they both happened to be in AP art classes in high school. And then I, you know, went along in that track too. And that, you know, I think having a teacher like Mr. DeJoy that I had in my senior year in my AP class, like he sort of started to introduce the possibility of careers, you know, as, as art. And, you know, I was, thinking about fashion design and then I was also thinking about interior design which is you know why I'm so fascinated with like transforming spaces and um you know I ended up going into painting and more like a traditional traditional route um, where was high school where was high school high school was in Moline Illinois um, Moline High School so it's about two hours northwest of, of here so long story short my parents were here in the 70s for a while and then um, my oldest two siblings were here in school in Little Village. Um, my parents were on lived on Central Park and 26th Street, uh, across the street from the St. Agnes um, Catholic School. That's where my siblings went. And then uh, they ended up moving out to Moline because of a, of a factory job at Tyson Meats that um, one of my dad's cousins was working at, uh, John Deere. And, you know, other people from our small town in Mexico were also working at Tyson. So that was sort of their introduction to, to moving, you know, getting out of Chicago. And and also, I think, you know, like not wanting my brother to, you know, get in trouble. And that was sort of starting to begin. And, um, you know, like a lot of families, they leave the city for, for several reasons. Um, so, yeah, so Moline High School. And uh, after that, I went to U of I in Champaign for four years and did painting. And then it was about my, I would say, junior to senior year where I started uh, experimenting with different materials. And I was actually using um, real frosting to make, you know, these large sculptural works. And because I was talking about, you know, like the, the dichotomy of the two places that I wanted to talk about in my work. And, you know, and I, I was also thinking about my family's labor and, you know, baking, construction, uh, candy making, all into Chicago and Moline and, you know, factory work, like Tyson Meats, my mom working at a shampoo packaging company for a while. But I didn't have the language yet, you know, to, to start thinking about the maybe those connections with with my material until, um, yeah, maybe my senior year where I was like, OK, and, you know, I can use also. Uh, you know, paint, I can use, uh, you know, multimedia to, to talk about 
uh, you know, the sort of labor that I want to talk about and just making with the piping bag and putting the material in the bag and then referencing that same labor um, that my mom did in the 70s at Marshall Fields, you know, and, you know, the labor that my family has continued to do in different, you know, different ways. Um, but I was really interested in referencing that. And so then it was natural to move, uh, you know, then I, you know, I did fiber material studies, uh, MFA program at SAC. And that's when I started to, to do more of the installation based work. And then I would say towards, you know, the end of my, my second year last year, then I went back to painting, but I feel like, you know, it was super important to go through the, the, the non-conventional material, the, um, you know, breaking down uh, what a painting is and then going to the 3D to then be able to go back to the 2D in a, in a way that I felt like rejected all of the, uh, you know, art historical references that I wanted to reject with oil painting. Yeah, no, amazing. So that moment where you figure out the piping, um, it, it must be pretty revelatory. I mean, it's it's one of the things that I associate with your work and one of the things i think that has carried over for you as a practice as a technique um it's one it's it's stunning because it it does it it looks absolutely like you know i've been close enough to some of them where it is coming off the canvas or the 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 surface um but are you it's it's real paint that you're using to to pipe through through a bag yeah, it's real paint. I don't have, uh, they're far away from me, but it's, uh, yeah, it's real paint. I just use piping bags. Yes. And then the ends get cut off, and then, you know, I have. I, I, I love that you're showing, I appreciate that you're showing, this is for folks who cannot see, which is all of you, um, <laughs> Yvette is uh, holding up a piping bag and the nozzle, I guess, which you pipe through, and you put right. paint in that bag and then actually take that to the canvas to get exactly. such a rich, what looks like a rich brush stroke, but is this, this technique, and it, it is elevated then off of the canvas. Exactly. It's, it's amazing, the, 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 you know, what happens to it. Yeah, and you know, and since it's just it's paint, it's it's called um, modeling paste. I don't know if you can see it, but oh, you can. It's modeling paste. It's just like a, a thicker acrylic paint that has the the similar consistency to frosting, and uh, yeah, it's just layers and layers of paint until you know I get the sort of depth that I want. Um, but you know, it's like you really can't make any mistakes with it, which is why I love ceramics. You know, why I love. Uh, sculptural work more than you know traditional painting because you know you can play so much with the material to to really make the material malleable to what you want it to be of course ceramics it's a little bit more complicated because you know if you don't uh, work with the material correctly it can dry and crack and all of that but as far as building I mean you know it's whatever your hands can do the material can do for you so that's that's one of your techniques. I I, I want to ask about your color palette um, because you know I've I'm you know I don't know all of your work, but uh, but what I've seen you you kind of have you, ha- you the 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 kind of bringing through and altering of pastels seems to be something that as a, as a color choices you're you know is pretty consistent throughout some of your work. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you how do you come to that color palette? I think it's, you know, I think it came naturally with my, uh, like, obsession with the Rococo 
with the interiors, you know, that reference to Rococo and then going back to like, you know, the interiors of, of the churches I've been, you know, in and outside of the U.S. and Mexico and, you know, the, the it's that same color palette. It's like that luscious, those decadent, you know, colors that um, make you really want to like continue to look and make you want, you know, the work and in the same way that I was so fascinated by that, I also, you know, want to place that onto the viewer when they're viewing the work so that I guess you're also um, aware that those colors can do that to you, you know, when viewing work and especially with the texture. And then, you know, after you've gone through that, then you can get to the, um, you know, content or unpacking or unveiling of a lot of the iconography that's, that's in the work. But definitely, you know, my obsession with uh, the Rococo and, also with notions, you know, of like gender and what, uh, you know, what girlhood should be like and, you know, what sort of colors are attributed to, to gender. And, you know, um, I like to think that I can subvert that also through the use of them, you know, like I often quote, uh, you know, Dr. Julian Hernandez, who is a wonderful scholar and has written about my practice and Nicki Minaj and, you know, like the power of pink and nails and, you know, she coins like, you know, pink as a weapon of mass destruction. I think, you know, similar to the material that I use, you know, and talking about that labor and that gendered feminine labor of, of baking or decorating. Um, I think the color, you know, the colors that I use can also do that. Well, right, because then it makes because it's it, you know, we've not yet talked about your subject matter, which is yeah. has so much depth and is you know inherently from you know an outsider viewing it um, is making you know these very important urgent political statements and wrestling with issues of migration and uh, you know uh, wage laborers and um, issues of, of uh, womanism um, and, and all of these things wrapped up in you know what is just at a surface level you know almost like a cupcake right, right. Um, but then you look at it further and you're like oh shit this is not it's not sweet Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So right. So so how, yeah. So so subject matter wise, um, you know, and uh, you know, and again, I don't know the the entirety of, of your work, and your work is always progressing. But uh, yeah, what 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 is some of the things, the themes that you want and do explore in your work? Yeah, I think you know, and, and you know, and it varies depending on what what the piece is. But I think you know, the most common themes are. Um, you know, the, the Latinx experience, iconography that relates to that. Again, you know, being a daughter of immigrants, uh, being woman identifying, uh, what that sort of, what that has meant as, you know, living and growing up in the U.S. as a Latinx uh, woman and now artist, maker, um, you know, but several uh, actual encounters with, you know, militarization, uh, you know, known uh, traversing of the borders from, you know, my dad and stories that I grew up listening to and other relatives and all of that makes its way into the work, you know, in a sort of collage-like, uh, manufactured, made-up, true world where a lot of these things come together and, um, you know, to create these sort of really worlds that I'm building that, that house all of these different stories through, you know, a surrealist kind of way. 
or some of them don't make sense. Some of them maybe shouldn't be next to each other, like the slides, you know, that I'm referencing from childhood games, like the poly pockets shouldn't necessarily be in the same space as an apprehension or something that's signifying that. Um, and so I like, I like to, to have all of those, uh, images in the same space to talk about like the complexity of a lot of these situations also like the reality and um the fantasy and the sort of um exotification of them too yeah your juxtaposition uh is so interesting to me and i i immediately think about you know one of the you know aesthetic foundations of, of hip-hop is as the juxtaposing of things that shouldn't be you know should in quotes in the same space but then hip-hop artists in you know their brilliance and ingenuity find ways to make sense of these things that are seemingly disparate uh I, i'm wondering about uh aesthetic foundations for you is it is it hip-hop is it um music culture you know what are some of the things uh other than you know you've alluded to some of your, your family's experience the things you've inherited and seen but aesthetically what are some of the ways that you get to make the work that you do yeah i think it's i think it's culture i think it's uh consumerism is a big one i think for me and i think you know i i think having an opportunity to grow up and you know like live my school year year round here and then be in mexico you know for the whole summer and like be there for three months and sometimes like come back like a week or two late for school and you know like you could do that back in the 90s i don't think you can do it now <laughs> um but i think that experience of being able to be in the, the two places and see again like you know the differences and the similarities in the consumer's imagery you know like the I, idealism towards having American things in Mexico and like, you know, Mickey Mouse and Tweety Bird and, you know, the Polly Pocket and Hello Kitty and I, all of that, you know, has, has also made its way into the work because, you know, they're objects of, of, of a consumerist desire of an attaining of America, you know, through in a, in a different place, you know, and, and that's sort of how I made that relationship of, of being influenced by those two two spaces of seeing like the, the similarities and the differences and um, how maybe one of maybe they both desire to be each other in different ways. No, that's real. Now, um, of course, being a Latinx person in Chicago is a particular kind of uh, experience, and, and you know, I'm wondering. Uh, I guess you know, what has that been like for you? Why do you stay? Uh, here, what what's some of the things about the city and maybe the Latinx community, the Latinx art community, or maybe the broader art communities that that you find? Uh, you know, what what, what uh, do those things feed you? And, and and what are your characterizations of those communities? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I live and work in, in Pilsen, and so I'm surrounded by other you know Latinx creatives, uh, writers, photographers artists, makers, um, and that's really important too, you know, to, to, to be surrounded by, you know, people that I call colleagues, but are also friends. And, you know, we eventually collaborate on something that's really exciting to me and really feeds my practice. And, um, you know, community is such a, such an important thing also, not only to my practice, but to my livelihood as well. And I think, um, I wouldn't live, 
anywhere else right now. I think, you know, Chicago feels like home. You know, I've, I've only been here for six years. It's not a long time. You know, I, I don't think I've been here enough to call myself a Chicagoan um, for sure, but um, I wouldn't trade it for any other place. I think that we have, you know, a thriving arts community. I think we're starting to, you know, Chicago is starting to be uh, more well-known for, for art, for music, et cetera, you know, in comparison to, like, L.A. and New York. You know, I think it, it's starting to play that role, too. And so I think there's a lot of exciting things that, that are happening here. And, you know, it's just like the people here. Uh, they're not anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I also think you're a big part of, 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 you know, the scenes and the scenes getting attention to. And, and I'm wondering, you know, I think sometimes people will rise to a call. And I, 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 because there's been uh, historically, but in the last bunch of years, because of not only the president, but just the rhetoric then that is ushered into a, a, uh, you know, dominant cultural and dominant political space. So much of that, um, you know, the white supremacists have really latched on in, you know, very, very, uh, you know, verbosely in the last few years, directing a lot of their hate toward Latinx communities. The Latinx community then is, is, is it, are we in a kind of renaissance that is in part a response to, to this or, is it just, you know, maybe there are more folks that are becoming more and more visible and maybe just dominant, you know, maybe culture is a little late or it just seems like there is a bit of an uptick, um, but but maybe maybe I'm reading it wrong too. Yeah, no, I think it's both, you know, because, um, and maybe like a second, you know, revolutionary movement, because then you also had the Chicano movement that happened, you know, way before our time, but... You know, there are still a lot of issues of, uh, you know, masculinity within the the group and, you know, misogyny. And I feel like this newer generation that I'm a part of, I think, is starting to address a lot of those issues within our communities, you know, creative communities. And so I think maybe that's that's one of the differences. And also, um, you know, a lot of us, a lot of first, a lot of second generations have made our way into the institutions and you know not saying again like that the institutions are everything and the institutions can make or break us but you know it's a fact that representation in an institution can pave the way for more representation and access and you know etc and it's like that that pipeline that continues and so I really feel like having more Latinx visibility in academia, you know, in these institutions has made it not maybe easier, but um, just a tiny bit easier for for us to make our way there too, or to be able to see ourselves, you know, and it's the same way why I continue to make work about, you know, the topics related to my identity that I wanted to always make work about, but I was constantly, you know, being told, like, it's not, uh, you know, it's you know, identity is kind of like played out, you know, make work about something else or, you know, turn your palette down a little bit less excessive, you know, all of these sort of, you know, white supremacist things to say about art making, you know, and categorizing my making as a other. Um, But that's really what told me, you know, that I needed to continue 
to do it this way because I was being truthful to my story, to, uh, you know, my family's story, to our history. And, and yeah, I think that's kind of on the, on the wave that we're on, you know, where we've seen the system fail us in different ways and, and we just, we feel like being truthful and, and our trajectory as, as people, uh, with identities and, you know, families that have been, been here for a long time and, you know, weren't, weren't able to have access to a lot of the things that maybe we are now and using them for, for the good, you know, for, to, to make space for, for the generations that then come after us, you know, for my nieces and nephews and yeah. Yeah, no, that's dope. And you've, I mean, you've, you've broken into some pretty big gallery spaces, some pretty, you know, traditional spaces, you know, in the, in the last few years. Where, where are some of the places that you, you know, have you been surprised that have, you know, like fucked with your work? Yeah, um, let's see. I think, you know, just, uh, you know, being in, being outside of Chicago, being in, uh, you know, shows in, in L.A., in New York, I think that's been really, um, like, a big deal for me, you know, that, you know, my work was visible here in Chicago, and I, you know, was showing a lot, and, you know, in, in uh, galleries and institutions, um, and I, you know, and I think also being able to show in these different cities that, you know, uh, can make, or, you know, can can maybe coin like you know who is making it and, and who isn't i think that was a big deal in itself and you know showing work for lacma uh pacific standard time in uh, 2017 that was just that was a big deal for me you know that i could be part of that um yeah such an important exhibition and uh really time for for la you know to be showcasing a lot of Latinx voices that hadn't been before and have been invited by Trader Vincent Ramos, Trader and artists, and that was a big deal. Um, and then be amongst, you know, other artists that I admired too in the same space. And, um, and then in 20, 2019, having a solo show in New York at a gallery at Gary Contemporary uh, was a huge deal too. So, yeah, I think just being in these spaces is, you know, it's a huge deal. and. You know, I don't, I definitely don't take it for granted. Yeah, well, congratulations on all of the success. Now, um, I know the world is where where it is, but what are, what, what is next for you? Like where, uh, what are you, do you, do you have work that is, will be shown? Like what, what are some of the things you have in the future? Yeah, so I do, I do have some things coming up. Again, you know, like we don't know if things will end up being postponed but um, a couple things that were happening this month that are now, uh, you know, have been moved. Uh, I was part of a group show at the Vincent Price Art Museum, which was about um, non-traditional aspects to painting, which is really exciting. And now it's pushed back to spring 2021, so that'll be in the future. Um, the DePaul Art Museum, which just collected my work too, that's another huge deal. And they're actually going to have a, an exhibition in the fall um, the Latinx American that will showcase a lot of the new acquisitions and work that you know they're doing around um, the Latinx community here in Chicago, and then um, again, hopefully, you know, October we're good and and able to travel. I have a solo show coming up at uh, Saint Paul, Minnesota, the Law Warsaw Gallery, 
um, and that'll be in, in, in the fall, and it's a continuation of Monochromatic Dreams, which just uh, closed off in Austin, and we'll be traveling there in the fall, and then possibly, you know, for a triennial uh, 2020 at Mustil del Barrio in the fall, but, you know, hopefully everything goes through, and, and yeah, we can make that happen, but yeah that's about it yeah well that's a lot and uh i'm i'm excited for you a big fan of yours and uh you know appreciate appreciate your time today and appreciate your work in the world um and was very grateful to to have your work grace the cover of the the latinx breakbeat anthology so thank you so much for that too yeah, no, thank you, too. It, you know, it's been such an honor and just amazing to see people continue to share it and, you know, and to even, you know, be able to read it. And I mean, that book is really making its rounds right now, certainly. Definitely, yeah. And it's, you know, it's been, yeah, it's just been cool to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where where can people stay in tune with, with all that you do? Um, yeah, so my website, um, EvetteMayorga.com, and then uh, on my Instagram, you can also follow me at, at EvetteMayorga, um, yeah, and you'll be able to keep up with, you know, studio things or uh, things that are upcoming, things I'm working on. Well, Yvette, thank you so much uh, for being in the corner store and spending some time with us this afternoon. Yeah, Sam, thanks to you. It's been fun. Shout out our super producer, DJ Cashera. Big up boss man, Todd Manley. Thank you to our official corner store photog, Mercedes Zapata. Salutes to the snack door, Max. Also, please, y'all, follow our Instagram. It's corner underscore pod on IG, on Twitter. Tell us who you want to see in the corner store. And also, please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our Patreon account. It's patreon.com corner store underscore pod. The corner store is brought to you by Stolen Spirits.